Well, folks, thank you for being here. And I just hit live, and we are live. And um, look at that. We got Daryl, Dylan, and, um, and John. That. We got Clash. Daryl. Um, what up, guys? What's up? What's up? What's up? I have a, I have a serious question. If I have my hat backwards, does it just look like my like my my scalp is just like cut off? It looks off? like you're wearing a do rag. Yeah, it looks like <laughs> it does look like wearing a do rag. That's right. exactly right. It's just if I if I I haven't shaved, and then if I turn it like this, it's like I'm like like the noir Spider Man, you know? Like oh, I like that because of what it says on your hat. Yes, yes. This is you can find this at thecultistshop.com. <laughs> no. by Challenging out other bro. people's merch. Did you, did you yeah, see yeah. that? Like straight up merch dropping right there. Yep. So guys, um, what what is the time zone you guys are all at? Uh, I'm EST. John, but John, what time is it for you? It's, it's yeah. 10 o'clock for you now, right? Nah, that's only six months out of the year. <laughs> oh, congratulations. Well, it's, it's 9 14 <laughs> p.m. <laughs> <laughs> it's 9 14 p.m., I guess, for the three of us. And what about yeah, you, man. young man, Arthur? 6 14. Am I a young man to you? How, dude, don't, are you older than me? No, I just call you a young man because you're young. <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm a young yeah, man. First of all, I just want to give a straight up shout out to Jeremy Collins right there who said Arthur is my favorite person. Just just putting it out there. <laughs> right back at you, yeah. bro. We, hey. We need the, we need the, the, um, the soundboard for since that. I'm, one, since I'm hosting board. it, can I use my soundboard? You should Go be able it. to. Because I know I'm like, do I have your permission? Because I got some funny stuff. Rocket, Look, this is the Why Jesus podcast, but but this is the Arthur show right now. Okay, <laughs> so, so the Why Jesus podcast hyphen or whatever semicolon the Arthur show. So take it away. Hit us with something. Oh man, let's see, let's see. I, this is a recent one I did. I like it a lot. I have enough experience to handle you. One of my favorite ones. <laughs> What, awesome. Who is that? Who is so, it? Okay, so this is from a, uh, it was a news story about this Assyrian, Iranian Assyrian guy who's like, I don't know, like six something karate master who works mm -hmm. at a gas station. And some guy goes in there to rob the gas station. Oh, nah. And he takes out a oh. knife on him. And this guy is like retelling the story on this news story. And he goes, I saw his knife. He's got an accent. Obviously, his English is not that great. He's like, I saw his knife. It was long and rigid. He's like, I took a fighting stand. I said, you want my money? Come and take it. And, like, and, and <laughs> it's on camera. It's on camera. This is a number of years ago. It's on camera. Like this guy jumps up in the air. Like Chuck Norris kicks this dude in the back. Dude goes flying out the, the door of the store, like six feet, tumbles over. Right. And, and he ended up like taking a picture of his, um, of his license plate and and they arrested the guy like he didn't and then at the end he goes i was trying to be nice and i was trying to serve him but he he's like i didn't want to hurt him he made me do it <laughs> <laughs> and I, I got that one too <laughs> play that one play that one i didn't want to hurt him but he made me <laughs> he's like i didn't want to hurt him but he made me and uh yeah, it, it's a really really fun story and he was like um, this was like in the early days of YouTube. So he went pretty viral, uh, for, for that, but it's just phenomenal. So my, my friends, cause he's got this thing where he's retelling the story and he says, the guy took out his knife and then he goes, I, I saw his knife. And then I said, wow, 
this is serious. <laughs> but it's awesome. it's brilliant. If you type in Edward Petrosi on YouTube, you'll come across the the video. It's hilarious. Um, so yeah. All right. Okay, gents. Well, uh, we we got a number of things that we want to cover today, right? Um, and then it's going to be very informal, conversational. Um, the way we're going to be addressing this. With that said, whoever's in there, hit that like button. Um, Jason said, can we ask questions? Uh, I don't see why not. You know, I, I definitely don't see why not. <laughs> we got our producer in there. Jeremy Collins is our producer right now. So if he says absolutely, then he like, said, we can't he said argue. Absolutely. <laughs> We're not going to answer every question, but uh, we, we, we definitely will. It can't be chaotic. Like my streams. Yeah. It has to be, you, you, it has to be on topic. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, so let me pull up this first uh, article we got going here and then I'm going to hand it off to you guys and John. Um, if we want to read, if we want to read parts of it, we can um, to discuss this. <clears throat> and uh, this, this says, do Christians really need to radically change from, it says Baptist pastor, Rob James shares his thoughts in his a good word column anybody who has two first names as their full name i don't know it's i'm a little skeptical i just generally say don't trust anyone with two first names yeah that's uh, i think that's a rule of thumb that's in the bible somewhere <laughs> yeah no misquoting the bible okay <laughs> not on the wide network yeah you get called out straight <laughs> That we need a we need a button like a sound thing for when we we purposely misquote the Bible something like wrong like a oh. Trump wrong well I got if you misquote the Bible we can go with this one um, let's see that's the one or we can go with that's the one right there. or or if we're really filling up to it we can say. This is a sickness of the highest order. <laughs> so it's got to be of the highest order. It's definitely got to be. Well, if the somebody's order. misquoting the Bible, it is a sickness of the highest order. Absolutely. Yeah. That is Absolutely. very true. Yeah, Jeff, okay, said, if you want to get rid of those ads, you can click the uh, near the URL and it will get rid of the ads. Good thing click producer little... Jeremy Dude, is in. Dude, he's there. a Mac user right there. He knows what? what's up. He knows what's up. That's incredible. Wow. That's a feature. Yeah, so Ooh, it, it turns it into it turns it into like like a book kind of or a PDF sort of thing you can mm -hmm. read. Sorry, Jeremy, I shouldn't. I should. I'm. I've used Max enough to know that that's the case. Okay. Let's. Uh, wh where do you want to start here, John? I had it labeled and then I lost it. Yeah, uh, but like. Let's do a, oh, a skim through. I'm, yo, I'm over here going like this on my computer, uh, trying to, like, trying to, trying to scroll, and uh, I'm just. It's well, that's the problem so. when you got multiple people who lead their own stuff, having to yeah, yeah. not lead. <laughs> By the way, I didn't know I was gonna lead this till like five minutes before we got. <laughs> we got yeah, you you are definitely a a life saver. So let's yeah. let's skim through. Let's do like uh, if we got if we got to get a basic idea of this. Okay, so um, I can 
I'll just start reading. Uh, I can easily identify with academic uh, with the academic who reckons the British have no problem with people being religious as long as it doesn't intrude into public affairs. I get the feeling that Kate Forbes, MSP, would say that it chimes with her experience too. Talking recently to the BBC religion editor, she suggested that people of faith are in the minority and in their experiences are by and large fearful and they are they either feel like they have to hide or uh hide their faith or ad- adapt it and that is a cause for concern in fact she seems to think that people of faith are being squeezed out of political life go yeah i would say um <sighs> This, so this is obviously, um, you know, in, in Britain or the UK, it's not something, it's, it's not an American article, but I think it is relative to the political sphere as a, as a whole. And, you know, that whole, the slogan of separation of church and state gets thrown around whenever mm. somebody is a, you know, person of faith. And it doesn't even matter what faith they are. If, if their religion is influencing their policy, then that equals inherently wrong in mm-hmm. the political uh, conversation. And I think that that obviously, I think that that couldn't be farther from the truth. You know, we all allow our values to um, to influence our, our political decisions. And it, especially in a, in a democracy, well, a, a republic like we have in the United States, if, if you're worried about um, people who are religious, you know, putting into law things that are in alignment with their religion, then you're probably going to have to just move because this is how democracy works. You know, the the majority vote gets the, uh, you know, gets the win. So this is why I think the United States especially is is so, is, is a beautiful place when we're speaking politically, because if you're somebody who has, you know, maybe some f- further left wing ideals, you can find somewhere in the United States where you can live in harmony with those ideals, right? Uh, same thing if you have somebody who's more conservative, you can find somewhere in the United States to live that is more in alignment with your your values. So uh, I don't think that we need to radically change in order to, to fit. I think we should still be voting with our values. What do you, what do you guys think? I got a lot of stuff to say, so I'm gonna let the other guys talk. <laughs> Dylan was thinking hard over there, so go, go ahead. Go I'm, ahead. I'm I'm trying to rack all brain cells at this time of hour. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I think I think at the end of the day, like um, we shouldn't be trying to change our faith or change our values uh, when it comes to the political life, because at the end of the day, politics is just um, legalized morality. It's it's, it's some sort of government fleshing out what they say is right and wrong, taboos of culture, all that stuff. Um, and that is that is inspired by uh, moral philosophy, and moral philosophy is derived by ideological beliefs, and ideological beliefs go back to religious beliefs. Um, and so if we're going to have any sort of real discussion in politics, we're going to have any sort of real discussion when it comes to how what should be legal and not legal and stuff within the society, uh, we need to talk about religion. We need to talk about what we truly believe. And within a democracy, especially, we need to hear people's thoughts and beliefs on that topic. Um, so most definitely, like, we need to 
not radically change. We need to continually speak out in that regard. Yeah, if, if you keep if you keep reading, it says, put simply, most people seem to think that religion is okay as long as religious people keep their faith to themselves. And that's something that I've definitely heard. A, a, yeah, this a is lot. one of the stupidest things I've heard any like people say. Like this is a common statement that gets thrown. I think it's so dumb. Yeah. So here, let me let me rephrase it. It's okay for you to be the religion that you are, except you can't practice those things that I disagree with. Yeah. It's like, well, you're not mm -hmm. telling me it's okay for me to be the religion that I'm at. Like, you can't have it's, your cake and eat okay. it. Right. It's okay for, for me to be the religion that you want me to be. Correct. But you just, state, you just make that statement to make it sound more uh, palatable uh, to me. But if I'm reading through the lines, you're just saying you can do you. But unless you come up to me and, and state X, Y, Z, oh, no, 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 do you, but don't do X, Y, Z. Once, once you start interfering, once you start interfering with my world, mm -hmm. then that becomes an issue. Like, like, I'm not necessarily for the idea of like legislating Sunday church or something, yeah. right? Um, mm -hmm. But because I don't believe, I'm not a theonomist, I don't believe in theonomy. But yeah, that's a whole nother rabbit trail. Like even this concept, like just think about like even this concept of um, the separation of church and state. Like where the heck is that found? It's not found in the Constitution. It's actually found in a letter uh, written by, I believe it was Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson, and, yeah. Yeah, and it wasn't even talking about the the separation of church and state in the way that um, that the slogan is used to to say, "Hey, religion, stay out of uh, stay out of politics." That's that's not what it is. The separation of church and state was so that way they didn't have a repeat of like a Church of England situation, you know. Uh, I forget who it was, but somebody, uh, one of the founding fathers, I guess, suggested that a certain denomination should be the religion of the country. And they were like, no, 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 no. We're not, we're not repeating. We're not going this backwards. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And a big part of that too, was the fact that even if you look at at the constitution and look at the early founding documents of the country, you can tell there was a, uh, theism bias, um, within how the things were written. They were written with religious wording and, and uh, phrasing. Um, so quite clearly, the founding fathers didn't think that religion and God should stay out of politics. Quite the opposite. They thought religion and God should be involved in politics in some way, shape or form. They just didn't think that there should be a Church of England or a pope or something along those lines that controlled the political atmosphere entirely. Well, yeah, it was one, one thing a lot of people maybe don't understand and Americans, particularly modern Americans, don't understand that the, the founding fathers would have understood is that the Church of England is led, the, the head of the Church of England, the Anglican Church's head, is the King of England, right? And, and so this is the world where they were in, and they said, we don't want that. We don't want to have the state leadership, like the president of the country, for example, be the head of the church. And so that's the sort of separation they wanted. But... The, the fact that Congress is printing Bibles, like even think about the concept like of, of a conversation happening in Congress right now where they're like, hey, we're going to print 200,000 Bibles to pass out. Like people would lose their minds. But that was a thing that was happening in this country. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, just in the Declaration, uh, the Declaration of Independence, the word creator is in there, right? Correct. That when when they mentioned the creator, we are endowed with these rights by our creator. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think that 
creator means. It means God, right? Like this is it's it's pretty obvious the Declaration of Independence that the that the people who uh, started I mean, this country off in the way that it that it is believed in God, right? And, and if you ask, was if you ask for sure. I mean, if you ask Richard Dawkins, as far as the creator goes, you know, it could have been aliens. So. Oh yeah, definitely. Know. That's true. That's true. For, from a comet or something. Yeah, like he can that. keep his opinions to himself. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no. yeah we, we needed the sound effect. Yeah, he's we doing the, the sound, sound effects. Effect. Here, here's to Mr. Dawkins. Um, <laughs> so, the 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 reality is that any historian that's you know worth anything uh, is going to say hey here are the facts you know you get some of the found you get a good amount of the founders actually being christians of various sorts and then you get some of them who are deists like a jefferson or a franklin or something like that right. um but some of them are like pretty radical guys like john jay is probably one of the more radical founding fathers who ended up being governor of um of New York and and actually John Jay had slavery outlawed in New York in like 1789 or something or 87 like it's very early on and but John Jay had some really radical beliefs like he didn't think Catholics should hold office um hmm. so th there's th whenever people say oh they weren't religious I'm like no man they were like radically religious like look at this yeah, guy yeah. he didn't even think Catholics <laughs> should hold Wow, but you, you'll have some. Uh, you'll definitely have some. Some people believe uh, agree with that, right? Now. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's a legitimate conversation that's been had because um, I don't think that there's ever been a president of the country that's been an atheist of the United States. Yeah, I don't think so either. Like well, everybody I, claims no. religion. Like yeah. practically they might've been, or they might've been lying. Like, I don't want to get into that. I just want to take them for their word. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even yeah, the most, all, I, I mean, even the guy that's in office now, he, he, he says he's, he's Catholic. <laughs> yeah. He, he says he's a Catholic. He, he says wait, he's wait, Catholic, wait, you know, wait. just like Hunter Biden says he is, did, never did drugs in his life. You know, it's just, <laughs> yeah. we never oh, really man. know the truth. Oh man. Yeah, he's, and he doesn't even he doesn't say he's catholic it's like it's it's mumbled and you just have to piece it together and and, yeah. and assume that he's saying he's catholic okay moving on um yep <laughs> uh i he, this article goes on to say i found myself thinking that the, uh, like this when i read a recent article on the writings of roman administrator pliny the younger pliny lived at the turn of the second century about 110 a.d and he was trying to figure out how he should react to the growing Christian influence in his area. In Martin Widock's word, uh, words, Pliny was being confronted by the extraordinary radical community that was making waves due to both what it believed and how it lived. Among other things, Christians refused to subscribe to the imperial cult focused on the emperor. This was a direct challenge to Roman imperial ideology and led to trouble. This was where religious belief became very political indeed. Correct, because Christians were accused and killed at times for being atheists uh, yeah. in denial of the Roman uh, gods, including the emperor being a god. Mm -hmm. But I like yeah, this part were... that it, it mentions uh, this extraordinary radical community, both in what they believed and how they lived, because they did live yeah. a certain way that was... 
countercultural, and I, I don't think that has changed. Um, I think that in America we we have been uh, blessed with a Christian nation, like for for a while, where Christianity was the accepted religion of um, of the United States, even though we have like freedom of religion, but it was still, a, you know the white evangelical country, as so they say, right? Um, but it's definitely shifted. And when you continue to hold to the values of your Christianity, you become countercultural really, really fast, especially yeah. in, in how rapidly things are moving in the political environment yeah. today. I mean, the big we problem was that the Christian values or the, the Christianity that was being held in the mid 1900s, even a little bit early 1900s was pretty, a pretty empty shell. Um, it was just, it was a, a lot of people identified with Christianity and they identified with some the, some of the moral values, but as far as actually uh, taking it to heart and fleshing it out and being, you know, serious about it, it was just more cultural. Um, and then it ended up bleeding to the sixties and, the whole sexual revolution and then postmodernism entered into the chat in you know mid 1900s um so like yeah it was, it was a pretty much an empty shell leading leading to the explosion in the after the 60s of postmodernism and all but that this stuff. isn't new guys right like the, this is like if you know church history you know this is not new um I'll, right. yeah just before we theologize anything because we do disagree on theology a little bit but um so when john says in first john right they were among us but they were not of us it very clearly communicates that there are individuals who are in the church or who could be in the church but not actually be christians Correct. yeah like that's clear as day um, when you have augustine in the fourth century writing and he's talking about the visible and the invisible church like the remnant versus like you see this in the old testament in regards to the remnant versus like the general public this has always been the case when it comes to the people of God. The people of God are countercultural, I would say, in two ways. One of it is that they're countercultural to their own religious community and culture. So, like Jesus is calling religious people to repentance, let's remember, right? Like these people yeah. claim to be religious. And then it's countercultural to the ways of the world, world affairs, um, the earthly way of thinking uh, that is contrary to God. So the actual Christian, the real believer in Christ and follower of Christ has to be prophetic to, to two groups of people at the very least. Those who are with us um, in name, you could say, but don't really adhere to uh, the, the strictness or the real commitment to Jesus and those who, uh, who just are against. Yep, absolutely. Amen. All right. mm -hmm. Definitely agree. I think this. Uh, I think since we're talking about church history, I'm sorry to cut you off, uh, um, Dow. But to, let's. Um, I think this is a perfect time to switch into our next subject. Okay, because uh, yeah. we could stay on this. Yeah, we could stay on wait, this wait. all day. Is this the, is this the cartoon? Is this the cartoon? Yes, this, this is the cartoon. Oh boy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, this is yes. Hey, I haven't seen this, so um, I'm just trusting the friends here. I'm, ju I'm just trusting my like friends here. I didn't see that. Oh, this, okay. is, this is amazing. So, what are we? Are we? So, John, are we going to play it all the way through and then comment, or are we going to stop and go? Stop and go. If I know Arthur, he's going to stop it. So Dude, I, I'll go with whatever you guys want. <laughs> oh come on! I watched it last night with uh, Pastor Jay, and I was just like, "Oh man, this is going to be some." Do you guys want to stop and comment, or do you guys want to go through the whole thing? How long is it? 
It's like two minutes. It's, we'll it's watch the whole short. thing. We'll watch yeah, the whole all right, thing. Alright, alright. We could always play it back. You right. stand accused of orthodoxy. Hang on. We got some <laughs> audio doing funny stuff. This looks good already. <laughs> you stopped it right on the cliffhanger, man. Yeah, I know. You stand accused of orthodoxy. I, I told you he, that he would stop it. So, he, I, said, the audio's cutting it's out. It's I want to hear the audio. Guys, come I on. Hear it oh, pretty, I hear it pretty Oh, my end was good. Yeah. I was going to say, I hear it. I know I'm fun. monitoring it in regards to what's going out. It just cuts out. Ah, true. Oh, so, let okay. me. I don't know why it would do. I hope it doesn't. You stand accused of orthodoxy. Before the Episcopalian Inquisition! No! No! We found a Facebook so post you of yours upholding 2,000 year old Christian teaching. Oh! Arrogance! He dared challenge the new sacred texts we wrote last week! The Bible clearly condemns gay marriage. The earliest Christians did too. All of them! But the Bible also says to never hurt anyone's feelings. And that's the most important thing is that we're having fun. And make sure you're drinking enough water. The Bible does not say any of those things. Let's hear you backsass us after this. And a one, and a two, and a three. No, stop! Stop it! No, please stop! Are you ready to repent? Yes! Give up your sinful ways. Not that I believe in sin. I I think it's more of a metaphor for, for not being gay enough or something. I don't know. I will never repent because I believe in truth. <laughs> when did Jesus ever suggest there was absolute truth? When he said, I am the way and the truth. Well, that may be fine for him, but I believe in my truth. Exactly. Don't all roads lead to the same place anyway? Yeah, but it's not heaven. Oh, you believe in hell? Even though Jesus said, judge not, and always have a good time. And make sure you're drinking enough water, dearie. Stop it! You're going to suffer before the Almighty. Not that I believe there's an objective Almighty. Yes. It's most likely a metaphor. You are going to metaphorically suffer before the metaphorical almighty in some subjective sense. So, wait, you don't believe in Christ's divinity? Make sure you're drinking enough water. Oh no, that's a very patriarchal interpretation. He was probably just a very wise man. So you think Jesus was a regular human who lived in the Middle East 2,000 years ago in one of the harshest eras in human history, and he just happened to believe everything that coddled rich white Episcopalian lesbians started thinking was true six years ago. She said he was very wise. Become a member at freedomtunes.com for exclusive cartoons. <laughs> oh, my oh. Uh, so, you guys. Although that it's like, you know, it's just a... Uh, a cartoon it is so real right it, it, like the fact that people want to hijack the name christian yeah i i, I just don't get it i i, I don't get it it's like 
if you know that Christianity stands for X, Y, Z, and you are opposed to X, Y, Z, then why do you want it so bad? Why do you want it so bad? It just makes no sense to me. Yeah, it's I, um, go ahead, D. Go ahead, Dill. Well, I, I think a lot of it has to do with um, if you grew up believing something or you grew up in a certain culture, you want some people want to change the culture around them rather than start their own thing, per se, if that makes sense, I think. So, like, let's just say you grew up around Christians or you grew up with that sort of thing. And then you're, you're like, well, I don't really like what I'm being taught. But at the same time, I don't want to fully abandon it. I want to compromise. Because compromise is a lot easier, and it's easier to persuade people to give up a, a small things versus everything, one giant thing to go partner with you. Um, and so you, you make small changes, and then eventually over time, those small changes just start snowballing until you have something completely different. Um, and interestingly enough, the Episcopalian are actually very similar to the Unitarian Universalists. And I actually did visit a Unitarian Universalist church um, for my, my channel. Um, and that was a very interesting experience because, um, they actually deconstructed the Bible during their like Sunday school thing. Um, so like they were basically calling Paul a, uh, uh stick pig, like a patriarchal, yeah, yeah, something along those lines. And that, you know, he was a jerk. Um, and then during the actual service, they never referenced the Bible. They just, um, they were doing like weird like meditation rituals and things like that so it was just it was just very so basically it was like recycled hinduism and buddhism dressed up as christianity yeah yeah actually quite a bit like that yeah uh, westernized buddhism and stuff yeah, too. yeah it wasn't like traditional correct that's why i call it recycled yeah um look the the stuff for me is um so it, it, i think it comes from a philosophical foundation and, and maybe I can identify that and um, maybe I'm paying attention to it a bit more, but um, it, it has to do with deconstructionism uh, as a philosophical worldview, not like just religious deconstructionism, but deconstructionism in regards to like words don't have meaning, mm -hmm. right? Things of that sort. Um, it has to do with what's called German higher criticism. The theologians yeah. would know what we're talking about, right? Um, and... And all this stuff coming together and then people kind of inheriting that. And then, and then also a philosophical view that was really popular in the early 1900s called pragmatism. Uh, that's essentially everyone's abandoned because it's stupid. Uh, but people still believe in it in certain um, arenas. Like, So if you ever had a high school uh, teacher, that, uh, like literature teacher who told you to read stories and then write three pages on how they made that story made you feel that's like deconstructionism and pragmatism together. So the most, like it's the worst thing you can do to a student rather than telling them what did this author mean? What are they trying to convey? What are, what, you know, it's like, Oh, how does this make you feel? What do you think about it? It's like, who cares? Uh, I want to know what that guy said. There's a reason why we're reading his stuff and not my stuff. Sure. And that's definitely a reason. Like that, that definitely also goes back to like postmodernism and correct critical theory and stuff like that because uh, then it goes down to a lot of times if you um, people within the Unitarian Universalist organization Episcopalian stuff they'll also reference power structures and things yeah. like that um, yeah. and religion's all about power at the end of the day then and there in a lot of people's it's lives like a rid 
it's like weirdly ironic considering that Christians didn't have power and the origination of this stuff is actually how power is overcome by weakness. Like this is the stuff yeah, that, that I like I've People heard theologians but that's the thing like I've heard theologians and like PhD holding folks say these things and then if I can come up with a response to what you just said in in 10 seconds it's it's pretty lousy in my opinion <laughs> right like so like you get up there and you're like yeah Christianity is all about power and I'm like yeah I, I can just picture all the first century Christians going look at us we're so powerful yeah, let's control yeah. everyone like it goes against the grain of history it goes against the reality let's, let's control everyone and and you can only be with one woman for the rest of your life yeah that sounds exactly exactly like what a bunch yeah. of men would put together or let's Definitely. control everyone by dying yeah. yeah let's do it let's do it let's be nero's tiki torch <laughs> you know if, if i was to play devil's advocate because you know that's one of my favorite things to do um i guess hey, the, bro, the don't, normally don't, don't don't take that on yourself yeah. brother the devil is no, I'm just, that's it now, yeah, now there's oh, gonna no. be a why jesus he was on one, he was on one episode of why jesus network got kicked off instantly <laughs> yep. someone's gonna cut that out and be like look at this he said he wants to be the devil yep <laughs> you create a short like three second clip and i'm just the devil filter on me uh um, lt no but exposed. like the, the, <laughs> the argument often goes back to uh, at least whenever I've talked to people, it always goes back to not the first Christians. It always goes back to like the Catholic church, um, mm. the rise of the Catholic church and then the political power that they had during the middle ages and things like that. Um, and generally speaking, the people I talk to, that's what they always reference. Like, Oh, that's what we're referring to that type of control and power and oppression. Um, so what would be your thoughts in that regard? I would say people took it and, and, turned it into something about power but it, it it's it's not something that started that way so to claim that that's right. you know that's how it started is is just completely false i would say mm -hmm. that 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 is a reflection of human depravity and 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 our uh like how evil people are when you can take something as beautiful as christianity and turn it into it you can this is how bad people are you take something like christianity which is, you know, Jesus is the example of what a Christian life is supposed to be like. You can take that and turn it into a ruling power structure. That just shows you how evil people really are yeah, at their core. That's right. Yeah. Look, and, I would just let's go there. Yeah, no, no, that's just uh, one piece of church history. You know what I mean? Kind of going back to what John and, and what Art Art said, like literally in the beginning of church, the the church we were being martyred left and right. We were being burned at like for play. Um, you know, we weren't in power. Um, and then they bring up the Catholic piece or the, you know, medieval times or whatever the case may be. But, and then again, if you look in the, in the last 200 years, the church is not in power as it, as people think it is. Um, there, there's martyrs left and right. Uh, if we, if we were such a powerhouse, we would be the opposite of martyrs. So um, that again, and what's always intriguing about the whole power um, thing when it comes to critical theory specifically is the fact that if a oppressed group 
fights long enough, eventually they become the power group. But they have to keep their oppression status in order to maintain power. Mm. It's a weird dynamic because, like, eventually the tables flip and the people who had power lose power and the people who had oppression now have power. Um, But then, according to their own theory, then they would be the ones in the wrong and things have to... Like it's a, it's a never, it's an unforgivable religion. It's an unforgivable. Yeah, that's what, that's why you need a totalitarian government to keep that control. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, that's, that's uh, e Marx that. and communism. But um, <laughs> people should read Marx, well. guy. Look, folks, read Karl Marx and see what he says because a lot of this stuff is rooted in Marx's philosophy. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you know, his whole theory was that a, a dictator or someone takes over power for a short time until it leads to complete socialism where everyone's equal and egalitarian there is no yes. dictator yeah, that was his idea on that but yeah on that. um and and we've seen it happen so many times in so many amazing ways yeah yeah <laughs> it's just every single socialist country is just so beautiful like absolutely stunning i'm i'm like in awe of it and everyone's I, so I, equal yeah it's it's equally broke you know, except except for the ruling class, you know, their, their houses uh, are, are the beautiful parts. Correct. Look, I, w- I would just say in regards to church history, like I frankly don't care much about what Christians have done in church history uh, when it comes to this conversation. Okay, I love church history. I love studying that and, and owning up to the stuff we've done wrong and, and then encouraging the stuff we've done right. Uh, when people say stuff like the Bible or Christianity is about power then i'm just dealing with a biblical text i go cool tell me where exactly in the bible it's about that kind of a power struggle like show me that in the text show me where jesus is talking about this and it's like oh but jesus is against the power it's like okay who do we have an issue with in the bible like should we get rid of all the psalms because david was king should we get rid of all the Proverbs because Solomon wrote it and he was really rich and he had a lot of wives and concubines? Like, is, Should we get rid of Exodus because Moses led the people of Israel? Where do you stop? Should right? they have, like, I, I, get what, I get what you're saying. It's like, uh, should, should we even take seriously the statement of, you know, the Bible is about control, it's about power? You know, should should we even take that seriously? Because one serious look at the Bible, you'd be like, uh, yeah, I don't think so, man. And yeah. and but people people have an issue with separating the two things, right? They they can't separate, and this even goes on today, right? Think about how we have to do apologetics for the the stupidity that uh christians do you know and and we have to be like hey guys i know that person says he's a christian i know he's doing some crazy stuff that's not that's not how we're supposed to be acting and you could go all the way back through history and and look at the abuses done Mm -hmm. by people who called themselves christian that that's you got to look at what what are the foundations of christianity who is the foundation of christianity and that's jesus so whenever people got a problem with like Christianity or they're like, they, they don't like it. I'm like, what's your problem with Jesus? You know, like, tell me what your problem with Jesus is. Why do you hate the guy so much? I, I went to this uh, philosophy, like meetup one time I was, in, I was invited to it. And I think I was the only Christian there. And afterwards I had some humanists come up to me 
and I didn't, I didn't disclose that I was a Christian yet. I was just kind of, uh, in, engaging in conversation they came up to me and they're like you have to come to our humanist meeting you know it, it's it, you'd really fit in there it's it's like christianity except without jesus and i'm like at, at the i didn't say anything at that moment i think i was like in shock but and i also didn't want to just be disrespectful but i'm i, I drove home it was like a two-hour drive i drove home just like why do people hate Jesus so much? I can get you having a problem with Christianity, quote unquote. I could get you have a problem with Christians. I could get you having a problem with some of the more tough Bible verses that you see there. But what is your issue with Jesus? Normally, actually, I guess in my experience, I never really ran to people who had a problem with Jesus per se. They often want to change Jesus and by by, I guess, not even knowing it, they have a problem with Jesus because they don't agree with the morality that he would have um, supported. But a lot of times people try to make Jesus their buddy. So, like, uh, within all the religions, like, okay, like, I, you know, I explore a lot of religions. I study them and talk to people from different backgrounds. Um, a lot of them have their own concepts of Jesus, and they tend to be rather positive. I mean, uh, positive in their eyes, at least, because, um, like, you know, Muslims uphold Jesus as a prophet. A lot of Buddhists will even hold up Jesus as a good moral philosopher. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of Hindus will even say Jesus may have been an incarnation of God. Um, not all agree that Hindus are very diverse, but uh, some of them would say that Jesus is even an incarnation of Brahman or of God. Um, and then even secular philosophers. I talked to a lot of uh, when I went to public school and stuff, like I talked to a lot of my secular friends and they were all like, yeah, Jesus had good morality, you know, turn the other cheek, stuff like that. Um, they ignore all the other stuff that was a little bit harsher. Um, but like in general, a lot of people I run to, they don't actually have, they don't say they have a problem with Jesus. They actually try to make Jesus their buddy, but then they change any sort of moral parameter in the gospel that doesn't quite fit with their perception of him or who he should be. Yeah. Jesus is a socialist like till he believes in personal properties. Like Jesus is anti-establishment till he tells you to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Right. Uh, until yeah. he tells his disciples, hey, pay the taxes, guys. Right. Like, so like that, that's what I mean is like, Jesus, look, if we want to understand Jesus well, we got to understand that Jesus is against everyone. <laughs> like, that's a fact. <laughs> like, like, that's just that's a reality. Yeah. Right. Like, for yeah. me, I, I look at it and I'm like, dude, and w when I study the Bible, one of the questions I ask, like, if I'm once I arrive at like a personal application stage, I go, what are these things that God is saying here? What are these things that Jesus is saying here that are against me? Mm -hmm. Like, in what ways does Arthur need to change? Yeah. Because Jesus is against Arthur, right? And, and what these other people do, particularly within the progressive sort of branch, is they change the word of God, or they get rid of the word of God, or they claim it's not the word of God in order for them to keep whatever it is that their views are. Like, I'm not interested in that. If I wanted that, I'd just be an atheist. Like, Facts. like yeah. why? What's the point? Like, why go through the hassle? Like, I don't understand why these people like go somewhere on Sundays. Like, do you not have friends? <laughs> that always did intrigue me. What always intrigued me was um, talking to people who are more of the progressive camp who live a lifestyle that is very atheistic with um, some meditation on the side, which there's atheists who do meditation and yoga and stuff. Dude, so go to like a sure Buddhist temple, like go hang out with the Hindus. 
Yeah, it, 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 it always did intrigue me because the lifestyle is basically the same as those, but they try to adopt, yeah, they try to adopt some sort of Christian label. It, it just always intrigued me. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's, uh, we could stay on this for much longer talking about um, progressive Christianity, um, but let's move on to the next article just do to keep it. things moving. Let's do it. But uh, before we move on, you got to read this dude's name. Okay. Or do that. I don't know if it's a boy or a girl. But... <laughs> it's, it looks like Lamborghini. That's, exactly. that's what I thought. The By first the way, th- I, first, I, first I, glance. I, I shared something on LinkedIn the other day. I got to share with y'all. But it had to do with like teachers pronouncing students' names. <laughs> I'm going to make you feel really guilty I, right now, John Clash. I, no, but I knew this one, bro. I knew that this article was going to be so difficult to read, which yeah. is why I'm glad you're reading it. I think if anybody, <laughs> I am. <laughs> I think if anybody out of all of us has has the ability to maybe piece some of these names together, it would be you. I, yeah, I'll try. That or, or but it's funny because this this reader. little poster is about pronouncing students' names, and number one is, but I can't say his name, and it's like humble yourself and learn. <laughs> and uh, and then number two is I give them a nickname and it's like that could be like very offensive because their parents named them that and that's very important. That's <laughs> actually then, what I do. I give nicknames. Yeah, don't to, do that. To help you, um, uh, uh, they tell me it's okay to call them like blank and it's like there could be re- several reasons why they're okay with that. Part of it is because you're like the authority figure, so that. Like it's respectful in their culture to do that, but like, don't do it. And then the last one was, I just give them the American version of their name. <laughs> wow. That's hilarious. In youth That's group, like... I just give, I just give the kids nicknames. Like I call one of them Tennessee. Cause the first time I talked to him, he told me when he was a baby, he was in Tennessee and I, I forget his name all the time, but I remember Tennessee. So yeah. it, it's, it's difficult. We got so many kids in the youth group. I'm like, how am I supposed to remember all these kids' names? That's true, but, you know, you got to remember it. Uh, whatever. Uh, let, moving on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to remember you got to blow up as, your youth as, ministry. That's how, someone, that's how Rick Warren blew up Saddleback. What do you remembered do? Everybody's Say that names. again? Is that how he did it? That's how, that's how he did it. He remembered 1,500 people's names, and that's how Saddleback blew up. That's that's what he said. Yeah. So you gotta, he remembered you gotta remember all the women's names, names. brother. Hey, 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 careful there. I'm going to censor you. <laughs> um, no, but that, that's interesting because uh, I was at a Young Life recently. And one of the things that Young Life does is when they start their campuses, they say that on every single campus, we want a leader to know 200 students by name. I think it's a good goal. It's it's amicable to... Yeah. I do my best to try to remember names. I'll like... Whenever I, I meet somebody, I... I I'm talking to them. The second I stop talking to them, I'll put them in a note or I'll mm-hmm. text my wife their name just because if I see it again multiple times, I'll, I'll remember it. But I have to remember to do that, especially if you have like a, like a deep conversation with somebody and then you forget their name. That is really bad. So anyway, let's let's, let's oh, okay. read. Sex in the church and murder of pregnant choir mistress. Pastors rip apart general overseer from hell by... Yegufi Yafuk Borhi, I think. Uh, there's, probably like a, there's probably like a H in there or something like, like Yafuk Borhi. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, pastors descend on church overseer who is to die by hanging 
in Rivers State for the murder of his pregnant mistress, her friend and nine-year-old daughter. Dude, this is like the beginning of a insane movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's got What's like River State. Uh, this is probably a, a a region of where they're yeah. at. It's, uh, I believe it's in Africa somewhere. Yeah, but it, I think it's like a state, or like it would be the equivalent of like a county or a state or something like that. Yeah. Okay, so this this is insane. Uh, the involvement of supposed men of God in heinous crimes has left a big question mark as to who really is a man of God, and how does the public know one? In a recent case in River State, the general overseer of Altar of Solution and Healing Assembly. Now this is this is a crazy name, Pastor Chidebare Chidebare Okarafar Okarafor blamed the devil blamed the devil after being sentenced to death by a port harcourt high court the murder of his choir mistress her friend an 11 year old well 11 month old toddler dude and the response from the clergy was you were never a man of god yeah so, i would agree I, like I, i'm very like skeptical here as to how the congregation's reacting to this like if you guys knew this guy was not a man of god why didn't you guys get his butt out right just so let's just look at the name of this place right uh it says general overseer of altar of solution and healing assembly that is the name of your church altar of solution and healing assembly if that does not sound like some whacked out hyper charismatic uh, uh definitely charismatic type church i don't know what is and well there's like uh, one of the things that i realized being in armenia actually was how some of these terms are used by the way so like when i when i was in armenia the way the way the word charismatic is used is used differently there and the way the word pentecostal is used is used differently over there um and like i know there are african versions of some of this stuff that like we got to be very careful with uh, because they might not even be christian mm. Like, I mean, like, in the sense of, like, denying very fundamental stuff when it comes to the Christian faith. Not saying that's the case here, but what I'm saying is it could be the case, like, these guys deny the deity, deity of Jesus. Right? It's it's some sort of, like, a local cult or something like that. But, um, yeah, I, I don't want somebody walking away who is charismatic. Like, I, I actually classify myself as charismatic. But yeah, I realized too. in recent times I need... Like, I got to be careful with that because people hear something else yeah. uh, than what I'm saying. So, um, so, but it does, again, I, I agree. Like, if you see a name of a church and it's, I mean, you know, traditionally it's like St. Paul and Peter and, and St. Mary's or something like that. And then you get like your more evangelical versions of things. Like the funniest one I, I've heard is Ecclesia Church, which is essentially saying church, church. But... Um, <laughs> Chai tea. Hey, what church do you go to? Uh, the church church. Um, I mean, or the gathering, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's makes sense. Um, I'm, look, I'm cool with that. But I mean, the church I go to is called Anchor. But uh, there, there's that sort of version of it. And then, and then when you see some of this stuff, and I see this predominantly with like South Americans, Hispanics, 
where it will be this like something 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 church of holy spirit healing jesus church yeah. right. they got or that, a, that out here in puerto rico they they got that out here the long name church and then it, it's just at the end it's pentecostal church mm. they got and just just for my my calvinist buddies that are listening there is a whole bunch of presbyterian churches out here like everywhere <laughs> everywhere so if you're awesome. if you're looking to move to Puerto Rico, you'll be, you'll be predestined to be right at home. <laughs> Unless they're of the weird progressive kind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. That is that is very true. You're hey. gonna walk in there. It's gonna, it's gonna be a a like a charismatic uh, Presbyterian church. <laughs> or they're like doing kumbaya Buddhist chants. Uh, yeah. But um, I, Francis Schaeffer, who's one of my favorite thinkers, um, uh, he. Because he he went after like why Presbyterians had gone off the rails um, in the early 1900s because they bought into the social gospel, but um, yeah, it seems like some folks have tried to balance that out in regards to them. Uh, okay, so let's so this guy I, I'm confused as to because maybe I don't know it's like linguistically or something like that. This guy killed three people. Am I am I reading this right? Yeah, he killed. So, yes, he killed sir. three. He's a, a member of the church, right? I think he was actually like a leader in mm -hmm. the church. Um, yeah. And he, yeah, he's a pastor. It says uh, he killed his mistress, who was in the choir, right? Why is that her friend. Yep, her friend and a baby. And a baby. Yeah. And now they're hanging him, right? And so I look at like. Uh, you know, I, I'm always into the, the drama that, that's going on in the church, like calling out the nonsense. I don't want to say I'm into the drama. I, call, I like to call out a lot of the nonsense um, just to bring light to it. And there's a lot of stuff that I ignore. You know, I, I definitely I, I ignore it just because I, I don't have enough time in the day to make videos about everything that is going on. But um, when I see stuff like this, I, I'm like, like, this is really bad stuff right here. Like, this is next level nonsense right. like walk away from the church never come back and 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 tell everybody how evil it is type type nonsense that's going on here um what do you think would be the reaction if something like this happened in an american church it, it would that would be the news story of the year uh, i was gonna and say we, we would have even harder apologetic like you said earlier we would have a harder apologetic because this would make national probably international i'm just imagining cnn and msnbc plastering right-wing extremist conservative sure christian yep. murdered you know I, i'm just seeing the all the catchphrases all the words christian nationalists um and i can see it all now, I yeah. think for me, what in, what intrigues me the most actually is the question of, okay, obviously most pastors who have scandals aren't murdering their um, people to cover up for their wrongdoing, but um, yeah. we have known of plenty of people who've either been either either been sus or have been convicted of sexual affairs or things like that within mm -hmm. church leadership. How do you think leaders like that start falling into those traps, and how do you think there's that could be improved upon and um, avoided? no accountability no accountability um you you get too big for your britches and no, no accountability nobody can talk to you and then all you have in your corner is yes men 
And then if you do have quote unquote overseers um, or board of elders or whatever case may be, they're not in your local church. They are pastoring other churches and they're like, yes, men. Um, and then if anybody holds you accountable or says anything to you, no, you're wrong. I'm right. Um, but yeah, no, no accountability. And then just, you know, there's for the most part, there's no, there's not a plurality of elders or, you know, not a, a, a whole bunch of leadership leading the church. It's just that one guy, everybody's yes, 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 yes. Or everybody's that's not saying yes, they already left the church. I think it happens little by little. Yeah. You know, uh, it's just a little by little, the, uh, you know, a little sin goes a long way. Um, and when you, when you entertain something that you think you can, it's like you, you dip your toe in the water, knowing that like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'll never jump in this pool, right? Like I'm, I'm just, there's no way that I'll ever jump in this pool, but I just, I really want to know like just, just how, if, if it's a good temperature. So you'll like just dip your toe in. And then when you dip your toe, you, you're like, oh, wow, that I actually enjoyed that a little bit. You know, even though you escaped real quick, like you dipped your toe in and, and like took it out real quick. You're like, you know what, man, that pool looks really good. I'm just going to I'm just going to put my you know how people sit on the edge of the pool and they just like put their uh, like their calves in and they just like dangle their feet in there. So now you like you sit there, you dangle your feet in. And you're like, all right, yeah, that, that's enough. You know, I've, I got my clothes. Yeah, I don't want to get I don't want to get wet. Put your shoes back on, walk away. And then you're like, you know what? It's, it's really hot out here. And hot being like the problems that you're going through in life, because as a pastor, you're going to you're going to bring more problems. Right. Oh, man, it's really hot out here. I just yeah, I'm just going to go in waist deep. Like I'm just going to go in waist deep. And then by the time you realize it, you're you're in the deep end drowning. And mm -hmm. the, the lifeguards that come save you is MSNBC. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like <laughs> and I definitely do think within like all temptation I think works similar to that, but I would definitely say within the realm of sexual temptation, that's definitely the case. Um, because it's one of those things where you can do it in secret. You can do it in private for a while. You can dabble and do small things for a while that give you a little bit of a thrill. But then when the pressure gets on, when you start getting more stressed, you start going, you keep going back to it like a comfort blanket um, until it's such a full blown addiction or full blown problem that um, it, it goes from being, behind doors to being completely obvious to everyone. Um, and it, also, it, it's just one of those. It, yeah, like drug abuse, and stuff like that can be very similar. What's actually very sad to me is that I can think of a personal account is that a lot of times when leaders start going down this path, whether that be pastors, influencers, or whatever they may be, uh, they start going down this path. Uh, they, they start thinking about me, myself and I, they, that's all they think about. Like I'm going through problems. I need to solve these. I need to take care of my feelings and make myself feel better. I'm going to, you know, they stop thinking about others. They stop thinking about God and others. Um, and actually what's very sad is that I remember talking to a guy, this was a couple years ago, but then when I was still in college, uh, talking to someone and he told me, he's like, Hey, uh, he, he said, he's a believer. He didn't really live like it, but he said he was a believer. He's like, but I don't go to church anymore. I was like, why is that? And he said, well, um, he said, when I was, um, for a young, like he got, he was with his girlfriend or I don't know exactly the terms of the relationship, but they got pregnant, his wife, his girlfriend or something got pregnant. Um, he said, I didn't want the child. I thought the child was dead to me. Like I, I went, I basically didn't want anything to do with the child, but when the, once the child was born, 
he said, I fell in love with my child. And I was like, I, 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 I have a son, I think it was. And he was like in love with his child. He's like, it just something came over me the moment the child was born. But the child passed away within like the first year or something. And during that time when he was grieving and going through his deepest loss, the church had a scandal. The pastor was sleeping with one of the uh, le- women in ministry or something. And then the pastor, like the head pastor, ran off with the woman and left the church. And then the church split. And at this time, this guy lost his child. And at that point, he said he was he was grieved and confused. And all his friends, all his Christian friends abandoned him and stuff because of the scandal. They were fighting. Um, and he left the church. He said, well, this is what church is. I'm done. Um, and it's, it's stuff like it's stories like that that remind me continually that as leaders, it's much more than just yourself. Right. It's not just a personal decision. This is a, a decision with ripple effects. Um, and everyone's going to be impacted, whether you think they are or not. Yeah, I just, uh, well, one, of the, one of the things I would yeah. say is that there's people who are in leadership and in ministry who shouldn't be. Um, yeah. And I mean that in the sense like they, not only I don't think they're called to be, but also they are, they're, they're sick in the head. Okay. Um, they're manipulators. Uh, like there needs to be some kind of a filtering process. Generally in church history, I think the way we filter through this is through like an educational sort of thing. Like, Hey, you got to go to school for seven years and, um, and then let's you go through it. When I was in seminary, they actually had us make, they, they made us take like a 530 something question test that took like three hours to do. It was really, really annoying because you kept it was essentially like you kept having to answer the same question that was post posed to you in different ways. Yeah. So it'd be like, would you steal? And it's like, no. It's like, if something was laying there unattended, would you take it? It's like, it was like that. And, and, and so, but there's a reason for it, right? They're kind of like pushing you and all these various things. Uh, and, the, and the reason they were doing this is so they could figure out kind of that this guy might have some, some serious issues. One of my professors told me that uh, a number of years before I got there that they had a student who they found out like was like weirdly conspiratorial and thought like everybody was against them. Really good student, by the way. And um, and they, he took this test and he came back like he's got some whatever issues. And they, they, and they confronted him and they were like, hey, hey, man, like you have this issue, like you got to see a professional and all this stuff. He dropped out of the school because he accused that the school was in on this conspiracy with everyone. Right. So like, I, like I always take that story and I go, imagine this guy's in a church. Like he's say they never found that out. Say it was before they gave this test. Like this guy ended up becoming a pastor. He's in a church. He might be very charismatic. He might be very, you know, like very good as a speaker, as a public speaker and attracts people. But like he's sitting in a, he's sitting in an elders meeting and he goes, I think God's telling us to do this buy a new building, let's just say, right? Like very simple thing. Um, not simple in the sense of like, in the sense of like a decision that just needs to be made. And one of the elders says, or deacons says something like, hey, pastor, like, I, I get what you're saying. I get that there's a, you know, we've been praying for this next Y and Z, but I don't think we're financially in a position to buy this building. And the way this guy could react to, there's a conspiracy against me in this church and people are trying to destroy the work that God has done and destroy the work I've done. And then that just becomes a mess, right? It's just, and that's like before, like how do people get into this mess in regards to what you, everything you guys spoke about, right? Like making bad decisions or not having accountability 
or like being the boss of a church rather than like a fellow elder. Uh, and then like people can call you out and tell you to repent and all that. Um, like those are all issues, but I'm like, there's people who shouldn't even be in ministry. Yeah. They're just, That's they are not made for this sort of stuff. And, and, and normally people, hurting people, a lot of people like that, um, who have those sort of manipulative, um, behaviors or personalities or, you know, uh, uh, implications yeah. whatever that they they tend to be manipulative in how they behave um a lot of times even if, if they are put in a setting where there is accountability they're kicked out but then they start their own thing and then they just yeah. they just try to attract mm -hmm. people to their yeah. own thing i mean that's how a lot of these cults that you hear about the the famous ones that's what they happened to them a lot of the cult leaders they were charismatic they were likable they were very manipulative um and they built followings because they were getting kicked out of the mainline churches um, and they started their own thing. They start. They they found people who were yes men, and then they found people who were vulnerable. Mm. Um, and so they then they built their own following, and then things you know go downhill from there. Uh, Correct. Yeah. Master manipulation. I mean, what would like? Hey, man, I'm gonna say something that might get us in trouble. But I'm gonna say it anyways. Um, but like, what would what would get? There's two situations in Muhammad's life that are very I'm very curious to about genu genuinely. One of them is when he convinces his adopted son that he's no longer adopted and that his adopted son essentially gives his wife to Muhammad. And like, what would convince someone like as a man, what would convince me to be like, okay, I believe you. I'm, I'm not your son. I'm not like legitimately your son. And by the way, I know you want my wife. Here you go. That's like, very interesting that I would story. say like is extreme fear. Yeah, like, that's fear. That's like, I don't want to die. Here's this woman. She wants you. You want her. Like, dude, I'm cool. Yes, I believe you. Right. Um, it could be some kind of a weird psychological kind of thing as well. But the other one is uh, Abu Bakr's story, right? Abu Bakr, who's, uh, who's a leader in the early Islamic community. But this dude gives his very young daughter to a 50 something year old Muhammad. And it's like, oh, as someone who has a very young daughter around that same age currently, like it's like what kind of psychological kind of things you need to go through to say, yeah, you came to my house and you saw my daughter and then you want her. It's like, cool. Again, it could be fear or it could be that he just was a master manipulator when it came to some of the stuff. I recently watched the documentary. I forget the name of it. Uh, it was about a, um, they, they believed it was a Christian cult right but not none of it was christian and uh this this guy was a prophet right like one of the leaders was a, a prophet I, I wish i remembered what might have been a offshoot of mormonism um mm. but anyway he would choose women to be his wife and the he would choose young women as well and the fathers were so brainwashed into this that they they looked at that as like honorable, right? Like, oh, wow, the the prophet wants my daughter. They took it as it being an honor because now your, your daughter is going to be, even though she's underage and should not be doing this, you are now um, connected to the prophet somehow, right? So if this can happen now in modern yeah. society, it can 100% happen in a society, especially Muhammad being the military power that, that he had, hmm. like 
these people are doing it just for the honor. Imagine having that plus being afraid that this dude's gonna like chop your head I, off or something. I mean, if you want to see some freaky stuff, I mean, just look at the um, uh, what's that? What's that? Was it like a cult called the Heaven's Gate cult? Um, their their final videos before they committed mass suicide. Like those videos, they weren't they weren't at gunpoint. They weren't being, you know, threatened for their lives that we're aware of. They, there was no signs of threatening or resistance or violence at all. Um, out of all the cults that I've ever looked at and studied, because I a little bit of uh, I like looking into those things a little bit. Um, actually, there wasn't much violent abuse, like physical abuse going on um, in reference to beatings and things. Um, they were completely compliant because they put their faith in this man. T, well, those two people, T and Del, but eventually after the one died, it was just one of them. Uh, but put all their faith and confidence in this one man and would do basically anything he told them, anything without him even threatening them. Like it's, it's weird. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't know how that happens, but it, it, it does. It's idolization. You know, think about it. Like, uh, like just think about celebrities, right? If, if, if you're a Justin Bieber fan, right. And you're just obsessed with Justin Bieber, and then you meet him and he's like, hey, you think you could get me a sandwich? You're stopping whatever you're doing and going to get Justin Bieber a sandwich. Like you're just you're just doing that. Right. So this this is the, the type of power that that these idols have over people. There's a separation. Right. They uh, cult leaders, they, they cause like this this separation between them and their followers. So that way it leaves some mystery. Right. Mm, and it, that yeah. mystery creates yep. control. Um, because you don't, if you ever want to not like someone, get to know them more, you know, it's, they're, they're just guaranteed to have some things about them that you don't like. It's just the way that it is. Right. And then it gets to, and then it gets to a certain point then, um, where a follower is so devoted that anything negative about the person comes up, it, it, it doesn't mean anything to them. Like it doesn't, they won't listen to it. Um, and that. And that, it, 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 it just doesn't work then. Like it, you can, you're just like speaking to a, a brick wall. Um, yeah. Trump maniacs. That I was thinking that the entire time, man, like some people, like some people in all, all political parties, all spectrums of the belief systems, they have their idols and Trump has definitely for some people in the far right. First thing is like, he could idol. never do wrong. Like the guy would like blatantly get up and say like the stupidest thing ever. And it'd be like, no, it was a secret message to his really devoted followers. He's playing 4D chess. <laughs> you guys are just too stupid to realize it's, it. You don't know what's going on. Um, it's deeper than that. He's communicating with some people. It's like... Um... Every every cult has this whole, you just don't get it thing, right? Like this, this right. yeah. unfalsifiable claim. Yeah, Cults thrive off secret claim. knowledge. They yep. so here's, the, off, here, here, uh, here's something to think about, guys. Like, so atheists, like maybe an atheist guy is watching this and saying, like, these guys are saying all this stuff about other religions and other like cults and stuff like that. But that's the way we view Christianity. Like, we think like Jesus was a cult leader, and that uh, you guys are doing the same exact thing. I, well, I would say, well, let's let's look at the evidence for us believing what we believe, and compare mm -hmm. that with the evidence for what these people believe and then look at which one makes more logical sense and we could also do that with you mr atheist and we could look at what you logically 
what, what the logical conclusions of your belief systems are, and we can compare and contrast. And this is how you come to truth, right? So you can look at somebody as, uh, as a cult all you want. Uh, uh, you could look at somebody as a cult leader all you want, but your view of them uh, has nothing to do with objective reality. That's your subjective view of things, right? And you could say the same thing about us, but then let's just dive into it. Let's look at uh, let's let's look at your claims. Let's look at our claims, and let's just hash out what seems to be the most the most evident, the the most probably true in the discussion, right? So that's that's how, what I say uh, whenever somebody's like, oh, well, you know, that's how we look at you, or not that anybody be saying that, but if somebody would say that to me, that, yeah. oh, that's how we look at you guys. Say, all right, cool. So then let's, let's play, plenty of them yeah. do. That's just the I reality mean, of it. I mean, it's one of those things too, where I also would ask, like, define cult. Like, when when you say cult, what do you mean by that? Like, I would want a definition for the word before I would start True. giving any real um, answer, because if they would say um, you're a cult because you think Jesus is divine, even though he was a man, I'd be like. Okay, I mean, if that's your definition of cult, then I would, I do believe that. But let's delve into whether or not that's, you know, true or not. The evidence. Uh, but if they would say you, you're in a cult because the church itself operates like a cult, then I would disagree. Like then, that's where I would. Ha- so like, it would, I would have to get a definition. What do you mean by cult when you say cult? Correct, because um, like in a very academic sense, a cult could be um, a religious offshoot of another religion, and in that sense, mm-hmm. somebody could, in their legitimate right, academically refer to Christianity as the cult of Judaism. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You mm-hmm. could definitely. And, could. and it's, like, all, it's, it's also uh, interesting when, whenever, yeah, whenever you use the word cult, um, it obviously has negative connotation, but yeah, it can have multiple definitions that may or may not have a negative connotation depending on how you want to take it. When we're discussing Christianity, it's really uh, anything that creates a following outside of orthodoxy, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's like a little, extreme and and is heavily focused on like a leader and generally, yeah generally has an authoritarian leader structure to it yeah yeah um and yeah if even if they're in line with general orthodoxy if there are certain conditions to it then we could refer to them as cultish i.e the really nice hat that john clash is wearing dang i think it's a mirror, it's a mirror so I... hey those guys should pay me see see how like yeah. See how easily Why? I slid into that? Yeah, that was that was nice. Why Jesus Network sponsored by Coltish Buck. There you go. Sponsored by Coltish Hat. Um, <laughs> all right, so we we've been on here for a little while. Uh, this yeah. next topic. That, uh, let me pull that up. Uh, this is a. Yeah. Now people see how I voted, by the way, on this, but um, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, giving it, uh, you're giving away your cards, bro. I'm you're with the majority. Um, so this is, this is a little thing, uh, John Clash put up on his channel three days ago and it said, what do you believe is more biblically accurate? Free grace or Lordship salvation? So John, just in case, and and so we had uh, 17% of people say free grace, 30% of people say Lordship salvation. And then we had a whopping 53% of people say a little bit of both. Now, I want to ask you what your definitions are. So define those as we go forward. Yep. So uh, there's there's different definitions of it. So I'm going to give like a a general understanding. And if I say anything like incorrectly, 
jump in and and tweak it just so we can communicate this better. So free grace is the 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 worldview in you know in Christianity that once you put your faith in Christ, like that's all you need to do in order to be saved, right? Like just done. You could continue sinning for the rest of your life as long as you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There doesn't have to be any evidence of your salvation. There, there no, absolutely zero evidence. As long as you transferred that trust from uh, whatever you were trusting in to Jesus Christ, boom, you are now saved. And you could go on sinning for the rest of your life and you would still be saved, right? Then you have lordship salvation where, um, and this is where, you know, people have many more different definitions for lordship salvation. But I'm going to go on to like the extreme lordship salvation side of it just to, um, to give like, because that was the extreme free grace. And then we go into extreme lordship salvation that it's, you, yes, you're saved by grace, but there, but the works play into it in a little like Jesus has to be Lord of your life and you 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 kind of look at the um, moral law as as like that applies to you now right and and that you have to live by that and does that mean that you are uh, like more saved less saved uh, can you uh, you know I, I don't believe that people who believe in lordship salvation believe that you can leave lose your salvation because they believe in the perseverance of the of the saints right but it's 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 the works are going to be evidence of your salvation and uh that's that's pretty much my view on it so correct me if i'm wrong uh in in these two views or if i didn't articulate it correctly because we could just pull up the they're like, okay, so I'm just reading Wikipedia here, but free grace theology yeah, yeah. is a Christian soteriological view, which holds that the only condition of salvation is faith, excluding good works and perseverance, while holding to eternal security. It's very yes. important. You cannot um, lose it. You cannot lose it. Free grace, advocate, uh, free grace advocates believe that good works are not the condition to merit as with Catholics or to maintain as with Arminians or to prove as with most Calvinists salvation, but rather are part of discipleship and the basis of receiving eternal rewards. The view distinguishes between salvation and discipleship, the call to believe in Christ as savior and to receive the gift of eternal life and the call to follow Christ and become an obedient disciple respectively. You should have just read that from the beginning because they said they have way better than I said that. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, pull up uh, Lordship Salvation. I feel like Lordship Salvation is a bit uh, simpler in its understanding. But here, I'll, I'm reading this from God, uh, from God Questions, okay? The... the the doctrine of Lordship Salvation te uh, teaches that submitting to Christ as Lord goes hand in hand with trusting in Christ as Savior. Lordship Salvation is the opposite of what is sometimes called easy believism or the teaching that salvation comes through an acknowledgement of a, cert of a certain set of facts. It, it goes into more details and quotes people in Bible yeah, yeah. passages, so I don't want to go. That was way more, way more simple. But... But yeah, so essentially, um, I am the little bit of both, 
Uh, so that's that's where I where I voted a little bit of both, right? And this is I'm going to give you my case for it. I think when when we add to the grace, right, where when we're measuring somebody and we're we're looking at them like inspecting their works in order to determine their salvation or not, I think that's where we get into like. Um, like dangerous territory right on it i do believe that if you do have a true faith in in christ and you truly understand what it is he did for you and you put your trust in that that it will eventually lead to some fruit that that shows in your life some fruits of the spirit some you know um joy patience long suffering you know it, it should show that you also should probably like care about other people a lot more than you used to. These are things that I would expect to see. But it took me like my first, and this is me just going off of my experience, right? This is before we get into like scripture on this stuff. Just in my experience, I 100% believed in Christ as my savior. I definitely did. But it was years before I, I changed as a person and submitted to Christ's lordship and said, no, I want to live uh, according to God's word. So somebody who, you know, hyper believes in lordship salvation, they could have looked at my life and been like, he's not saved, you know, measuring my works, not one, not knowing how far I came, you know, from, from where I was, but two, just like what, what about the person who's addicted to like heroin, right? And this is just a philosophical argument. What if somebody who's addicted to heroin, heroin gets a grip on your flesh, like it does. And can, a saving grace is a saving faith in Christ release you from that definitely but is it a guarantee no so somebody could come along look at this person who's still addicted to heroin but is is but loves Jesus and is is fighting with this their whole entire life and be like yeah they're not saved they're still doing drugs you know so this is where i i kind of have an issue with the lordship salvation but i do believe that that there should be something showing but i'm not going to be the one holding the measuring stick looking to see if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think I kind of fall into a similar camp as far as a little bit of both. I think we I think anyone falls into a dangerous territory once they start trying to determine whether someone's saved or not. Um, I, it's much easier just to determine whether or not they're saying whatever they're saying or professing is biblical. Um, that's a much better route to go, in my opinion, because whenever we start trying, trying to go down, well, are the are these people saved or not? Unless they outright reject the gospel um it's a very sticky territory like it's just 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 deal with what is biblical and not biblical what's heresy and not heresy and go from there um and then rebuke people of their fruits and if they don't uh, of their bad fruits if they're not you know doing what they ought to do and if they don't accept rebuke and they run off and do their own thing again that's proof in of itself but i i do think in in i think in regard to what you said john i would probably fall into a very similar camp yeah, um, for me, like there's there's op there's completely opposite sides of the pendulum. Like free grace, easy believism. You can believe and then live like hell and then still go to heaven. And then you know, th then there's fruit inspectors on this on this side. You know, you believe and then you must have Christ as Lord of your life. You cannot struggle with sin, um, or you're not a believer. Um, mm -hmm. So it's 
you you, and, you, you and, have to you have to fall like you have to believe obviously like uh Elsie said you you got to believe the the core true about the gospel and be, when believing in that um that that scripturally there will be change there will be a change that takes place some people it may be on the spot you may be addicted to whatever and the holy spirit may change you from whatever and then like john said some people it it is just progressive sanctification they 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 they're changing little by little by the power of the holy spirit um but again it goes back to are they resting in christ you know do they love christ um and you know but again it's it's all it's all of christ it's not because the only way we could do the good works is through Christ, through the Holy Spirit. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, yeah, you trust in Christ. He is and I think, Lord and Savior. But And that, I think those extremes can be there. pretty... Oh, are you still going, Daryl? No, go ahead. I think those extremes can be pretty easily addressed scripturally. Like, as far as the free... the, the I would say the Lordship one's actually a little bit harder than the free grace one. The free grace extreme, you just go straight to Paul, who says, so shall we live in sin? Uh, God forbid, like... No, if you're, you don't, this is not just a free grace where you just perpetually keep sinning and doing whatever you want for the rest of your life and claim Jesus as your salvation to heaven. Um, like he says, God forbid, like that's not what we're doing here. This is not just a free ticket. So like Paul pretty easily addresses that free grace extreme. Um, as far as the Lordship one, that one's a little bit more nuanced, I would say, as far as scripturally. I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts on the extreme Lordship one uh, from a scriptural standpoint. Uh, my first thoughts go to two things. Uh, one, is that oftentimes when Paul is criticizing churches and rebuking churches in his letters, he still refers to them as brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, even though some of the things he's accusing them are pretty serious matters. Um, so to me, that indicates that he still recognizes them as part of the church, even though they're dealing with some serious sins. Um, the other thing that would stick out to me too would be First John, where it talks about those who deny that they sin are liars and the truth is not in them. Um, yep. and I would, I guess even thinking about Timothy a little bit, I think, I know Timothy says something along the lines of, um, uh, there's people whose fruits will be revealed at the end. Um, I forget what, I think that's in first Timothy or second Timothy where it talked about how the fruits will be revealed. Some people's fruits will be revealed at the end. Um, and the truth will come out. Um, but yeah, anyway, I'll just be curious to hear some of your thoughts as far as those extremes concerned, um, scripturally addressing them. So are we, are we limiting God's grace? when we say, uh, like if somebody truly puts their faith in Christ, right? Do we limit his grace by saying um, you, you have to make him Lord as, as well, right? Like, is there a difference between, and, and there is a difference between justification and sanctification. Obviously, there's, we all would agree that there's, that there's a difference, right? Now, can somebody be justified and and, and accept the grace and, and when that grace is given, right? Can, the, are we limiting that grace by then saying, now you must go through this sanctification process. And if you are not going through the sanctification process, you're not saved. This is just a, like, just to cause just, conversation. This is know, such a, you know. this is such a silly conversation in my opinion. Like, forgive, forgive, uh, forgive me my brethren not you guys <laughs> all the other ones that might be judging me um because there's a lot of questions that comes to the surface 
Okay. Time is one of them. Um, age is another one. Um, mental elaborate. development and intellectual. I'll, I'll elaborate each of these points. Right. Mental and intellectual abilities another another one. Language, lin- linguistic abilities. Right? Theologic, like having the... I would say having enough development as a character development or something like that, or intellectual development, when you can articulate very difficult theological concepts or whatever like that. Um, that I would all throw all of the, a lot of those things into like a sanctification camp. So for example, 87-year-old guy who's illiterate in some village somewhere, uh, you go to him and you say, hey, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Dude's 87. He is um, rash. He is uh, lack of compassion through the roof, right? Racist, whatever else you can add on the guy. And um, has really been formed into that because of various things. And you go, you're a sinner. Look at all these things in your life. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I got it. And then you you go, you you need to to change. Uh, You need to believe in Jesus to be saved. And he goes, I believe in Jesus. Okay, legitimately, let's just assume he's like legitimately believed in Jesus. You leave, you come back three years later, you find a guy like losing it on his wife, like yelling at her, smashing, you know, the windows and stuff like that. And you go, oh man, this guy's probably not a Christian. Look at that. He he hasn't changed. And I'm looking at it and saying, you're overly simplistic because you're not taking into account how people develop. And, but let's just say at the same time, he had, his racism has like completely disappeared. Right? Like, so like, like how do you judge that? Like you, still, like, you don't, you are not in a place to judge that. Let me put it that way. But how do you and do and that? Think, You're, you can't do that. And I think personal awareness is a big part of this too. Like we, so actually like, so I took a little bit of psychology classes, you know, in college and stuff and uh, it intrigued me a bit, but like there is this, uh, this bias towards one one sees themselves higher than they actually are. Like they're better at stuff than they actually are. Um, an interesting case of this is if you ask anyone, do you think you're an above average driver? Over 50% yeah. of people say they're above average driver. Really? Um, I'm horrible. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it's people are cognitively biased to think that they're better at things than yeah. they actually are. Mm-hmm. And this is true within the spiritual realm as well. People generally think they might say the right terms. Like a lot of Christians will say, no, I'm a, a terrible sinner. You know, I'm the worst of sinners. But then you ask them to name something specific. And they can only give you maybe one or two things. Boom, that's it. And like, it, it's crazy because like, I, I, you see this quite often. Like, oh, I'm the worst of sinners. Well, what do you? What, what are specifically your worst sins? Like, what what makes you? What makes you say that? And they can only name like one or two. It's because, and it's not even that bad. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. not even that bad. It's, it's like, oh, you know, um, in my mind, in it's my just mind, funny because like when you, when when Paul said, "I'm the worst of sinners," like that guy had room to say, okay, like he was opposing the gospel. And he was jailing and killing Christians. Like, that's bad, mm. dude. Yeah, and then some guy's, like, sitting there at Bible study. He goes, man, I'm the worst of sinners. It's like, hey, bro, like, what did you do? And I find myself being jealous at my neighbors. It's like, yeah, that's a sin, but I, I don't know if I would categorize that as, like, the worst thing any Christian has <laughs> ever done. And, and I think it's too, like, for me, it's one of those things, like, whenever people say that, I'm like, I know there's a lot worse in you than that. Like, right. it's weird. Like, people say these things. I'm like, there's a lot worse in you than just that. You just, that's the only thing you're aware of. But, like, there's a lot worse. And that's true for, like, myself. And, and like, 
you become aware of your problems the more you actually have intimate relationships with people. So like I've heard, I'm not married, but I've heard from people who are married that you learn a lot more of your problems when you're married, um, as well as when you have children and stuff like that. Um, but like as C.S. Lewis, uh, I think C.S. Lewis is one who said like he didn't have a problem accepting the fact that he's w awfully wicked because he said, I've seen the inside of my heart and it's full of lust, greed, passion, and evil and all these things. Um, it, 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 we are much like I think the thing about sin is that we sugarcoat everything like we sugarcoat everything and we want to put a, a, we want to use euphemisms to describe our sin instead of saying what it is. Uh, we want to say, you know, I made a mistake. I messed up. No, you sinned, grieved God, and are deserving of hell. Like you are the you you what you did actually is going to cause a chain of events of evil to occur. Like like I don't know. I, I think we we always think of our even the even what we call small sins. We think of them in really light terms. When in reality, those small sins is what causes divisions, and those divisions is what causes fighting, and that fighting is what causes packs to form. And like these things are much worse than they actually are. I don't know. It just—it's just. It just it, I guess for me, it's just this this realization sometimes that we don't. I don't think we take. Dude, I'm, I'm like, before I make any kind of comment on anybody else. Like, I I regularly evaluate myself. Um, I'm just mm -hmm. like pretty, pretty aware of uh, myself, mm -hmm. and not necessarily like harsh on myself, because I don't really see that that being a, a good thing not either, true. because I just like I. I throw myself at the grace of God. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, like the, some of these theological reflections for me are stuff that the, the first century Christians wouldn't have asked. Mm -hmm. Just like if you went to someone and said, hey, man, uh, hey, Paul, you, can you believe and be saved? And Jesus is not Lord over your life. Like he would have looked at you and said, what a strange man. <laughs> like, why would you even ask that? I'm just imagining is... Paul writing that in a letter. What a strange man. <laughs> like, hey, there's a strange <laughs> fellow in your midst. Kick him out. <laughs> um, no, like, like seriously, like the, the, the fact that like even Greek and Hebrew, like this concept of having faith means being faithful. Right? Like to go and say, I want to believe this stuff. Like I want to accept and believe it, but my life is not going to correlate to that would have been a distinction and a separation that was made that was completely foreign to them. Mm -hmm. And it's probably completely foreign to most Christians around the world. And because maybe, I'm guessing here, by the way, guys, so I'm doing like anthropology of sorts. Maybe the reason why we're actually doing this is because we live in such a hyper-individualistic culture and we like to separate things from one another. Oh, man, um, you're trying to have a, a two-hour long podcast on this That is some I'm deep kinda, stuff right there. <laughs> I'm going to kind of switch it up a little bit and go to, to, Jeremy's, to Jeremy's question because it, it kind of goes with what, what we're talking about. Repentance and faith, like that is um, – that, that's the gospel message. Like repent and believe. Um, what is the role that repentance plays in our salvation? Like, cause you, you kind of, you kind of just said it or like at the, at the very end, you said what you believe will transform your life. And it, you know, I'm just summarizing kind of what mm -hmm. you just said. Like Paul, Paul wouldn't, if you're walking up to Paul and asking those questions, well, can we really believe, believe that Jesus is my savior, but not my Lord. And like you said, Paul would say this, 
you're strange that get get out of my face with that strange question like if you truly believe what christ did for you Mm -hmm. and your sin on the cross that will that will change your life i mean this just goes back to james like faith without works is dead like at the end of the day if you if if whatever you actually like your actions will reflect what you truly believe at the end of the day um so like if you truly believe um that you know let's just say sexual sin is wrong you are going to actively fight against sexual temptation in your life you're going to be active in that it's not going to be something passive where you're like oh you know i wish i was better but you know it takes a lot of work to get better so i'm just going at the end of the day then what you believe is that your pleasure is more important than righteousness um but if you truly believe that no this is wrong and i'm going to fight with all my grit and strength to get over this then you truly believe that this is evil and you're going to fight against it and you're going to overcome it through the help of the spirit and through grace um and so belief is an belief is going to lead to action I'll tell you, let me let me just qualify something, and I'm saying this pastorally, by the way, as I've gone I've gone through in the sense of like counseling quite a bit of people, being in ministry. Uh, one of the things that a lot of people distinguish uh, cannot distinguish actually um, is the difference between believe, like I really believe that, and then desire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many people who desire to overcome sins, mm-hmm. or even in the most general sense who just desire certain things in their life and then never have those things because in order for them to get to those things, they got to do certain things. And Christians fall victim to this. It's like, oh man, I really desire to overcome this issue. Like I'm really arrogant, for example. I really desire to overcome arrogance in my life. And it's like, cool. So you got to humble yourself. Here's something my mentor taught me. He said, hey, you want to be more humble? actively work on not having the last word in a conversation. Like, even if the conversation, like, like you got something to say and you know, it's, you're going to be the last one to talk, like just shut your mouth and don't say it. Now, you know no, now nobody's going to be able to close know, this out. No, like, <laughs> we're all going to sit there. Um, like that's very difficult to do, especially when you think what you have to say is valuable. Like somebody Mm -hmm. says something, or even worse, when you get in an argument with a friend or your spouse and your wife makes a comment and you're like, man, I got this really good comeback to this. Put it in the pocket. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, (laughs) shut up, throw it away. And that'll make you humble. But you can desire it and never really put in that practice. I was sitting down yesterday with a friend of mine who's a former UFC fighter. um, And uh, we were talking about a national champ in like judo for like nine years running in his teens and stuff like, like insanely great fighter. And he, he said yesterday to me, he said, Art, I don't think I was the best athletic. I don't think I was the most gifted and talented. I don't think I was X, Y, and Z. He said, but I know what I did was I wanted it more. So if the guy next to me did 50 pushups, I wanted to do 55. If the guy next to me did 70 sit-ups, I wanted to do 80. And he said, and I did that. And as long as I did that, I was competing at the highest level. Okay. And so this is where the sanctification aspect comes in. This is where the concept of work out your salvation with fear and trembling comes in. But at the same time, it's the, the idea of people sitting there and seeing somebody who might desire to overcome sin and just doesn't be- because of that stuff and then making this proclamation that they're not believers. 
Okay. Yeah. Like, because I, what I've realized in my personal walk is there's different stages of my life. I've realized different things about God that have brought him into a more, um, ruler position in my life. So, um, when we pray in the Lord's prayer, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Um, I, I remember reading, um, or, or watching an interview with Dallas Willard. Um, and he, they asked him like when he accepted Christ and he said, Oh, or when he was saved or something, he said, probably when I was like eight, seven years old. And then he said, but when I became 18, I realized what that really meant. And he's like, when I became 34, I realized a little bit more what that meant. Right. Like, so the idea that as we live our lives, we're going to realize what it looks like for Christ to be my Lord looks different. This is what I meant when I earlier said, like time is a major factor in this. So you go to a 14 year old who's confessed Christ and he's 16 now. And you're like, bro, you confessed Christ two years ago. You should like, you shouldn't be saying that stuff or you shouldn't be doing that stuff. And it's like, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not very sure about that. Like I, I get what you're saying. I get your heart and I love the heart. Right. But 14 year olds aren't the smartest people on the planet. And if you're not convinced of that, just remember when you were 14. I do think there's also, but I do. I would say this. Um, I guess um, I think Arthur, you're a pastor, right? You're, not, not anymore. But I'm an elder at my anymore. church. But, yeah. So, like, here, here's a question that I wrestle with sometimes: is you're right about the timing thing, but how do we then rebuke people who quite clearly seem to be more passive and they aren't really fighting? So, like, I know people who. 10 to 15 years been dealing with some sort of addiction or constant problem that they're aware of and they admit is a problem, but it hasn't progressed. It has never gotten better for over the past several years. How does one then, you know, approach that topic? Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, for me, it's, it's been helpful for me to distinguish with them in counseling between what they desire and what they believe. Because you can believe like something is good for you. Like, oh, yeah, it's, it's if you go to them, you're like, hey, you know, overcoming this issue is really good for you. And they're like, of course, no question about it. Well, do you desire to overcome it? And they go, yeah. But they might mean that in the sense of like, I desire it loosely. Like right now, I desire to lose 30 pounds. You need a burning desire. Right. I'm like, if you're like, Art, would you want to lose 30 pounds? I'd be like, yeah, man, I desire that. Like, I, I want it. It's like, cool, you're going to wake up tomorrow morning at six in the morning and work out for an hour. I'm like, I don't desire it that much. Yeah, it's, it's right. levels to it. And, and it, it's the same concept. See, the Holy Spirit will guide us and empower us and strengthen us. But there's this idea of us being in line and keeping in walk with the Holy Spirit, in step with the Holy Spirit. He's not just going to go, boom, Arthur sanctified. Like that's probably nice. that wouldn't be very good for me anyways. Mm-hmm. So when, when I, when I look at Lordship salvation, right, I, I, I view it from this lens of anything that you do that is not out of your love for Christ is done in vain. Right. So if ideally are, speaking, like that's like spiritual maturity to like the hundredth percent. Yeah. yeah. So if if you're just like and I think it it actually might be the culture of lordship salvation that that bothers me. Um because I I, I don't necessarily have an issue with lordship lordship salvation if you are 
changing your life and, and trying to change your life and live a more Christ-like life because of your love for Christ, not because you think you have to, right? I think there's a, there's a big difference um, in, in, the, in the heart posture when, when you view it that way. Like, I don't want to do certain things because I want to, um, one, please God, but I also want to exemplify what a, what a Christian walk should look like, right? So if I'm, I, I look at how outsiders view Christians, right? And I want to be a good representative of Christ. So there are areas in my life that I work on cleaning up because I love Christ so much that I want to be a good representative of, of being a Christian, right? But I, I remember before I, before I submitted to, to Christ and before I was like, I'm going to live how you live, I would try to do these things just because I thought if I didn't sin here and I didn't do this, that, that God might bless me a little bit more. You know, I had this, this confused prosperity gospel thing inserted, but I also see people that are just trying not to sin so they can please their, their, their fellow Christians. You know what uh -huh. I mean? Like they're just, they're just doing it because they're, they're like, you know, you got fruit inspectors everywhere. So you're just like, Oh, my, my fruit gotta be good. And I think that doing it from that place, although you may get some results in, in, in cleaning some things up, it's just, it's not, it's not coming from your love for Christ. And I think that's where, you know, if we're going to be having this discussion about lordship salvation, and if that if we're going to look at that as a biblical thing, then we need to be clear that if if you're doing this stuff just to do it, it's done in vain. If it's not coming from a place of of wanting to uh, honor God, then then why even do it? I do think there should be an important stipulation. I think you you said it, uh, but some people might miss it where just because you don't feel like doing something doesn't mean you shouldn't do it though like just because you don't have the desire to do something or you feel tired or whatever doesn't mean you should now do what you just feel like doing um yes. you you should but as you said you should do it because you want to honor god not because you're trying to put on appearances for other people um so everything you should do should be driven by your love for christ your desire for god and to be more like christ and to be made righteous um and but that doesn't mean that every day you're gonna wake up and be like i want to love my neighbor um like some mornings you're gonna wake up like i don't want to talk to anyone i don't want to love anyone i you know i hate life uh but that doesn't mean now you get to act like that you don't yeah. have the moral right to do that now um you still have if you want to if this word might sound bad but an obligation to still do what's right but that should be driven ideally by your desire to be more like Christ, even though you know you're not like that yet. Yeah, you know, um, this is like, like a, Dallas Willard has helped me out in this area of my life tremendously. So if you've never read The Divine Conspiracy, I highly recommend you buy The Divine Conspiracy and read it, folks. So chapter two of this book is called The Gospel of Sin Management. Like just yeah. that title itself should communicate to some of the issues we have in the church of preaching a gospel of moralism. That's what he's actually going after. Um, yeah. Instead of actually allowing the spirit of God to change us internally out. But one of the things he says in various different books is this concept of that he calls a vim, which is vim, uh, vision, intention, and mission. Um, and the idea there is like, what's your vision? Say your vision is like, I'm going to overcome a X issue. 
it's like, okay, what's your intention with that? Like, is it just to overcome it? So you told you, you tell your Christian friends, I overcame it. That's not a good enough intention, by the way. Like it should be, as John was saying, because I love Jesus. Right. And I know you, we, we use words like honor or bring glory to most of the time. We don't even know what we're talking about when we say those words. Like, what does it mean to be, to bring glory to? Like, practically, like, I walk around, like, I picture myself walking around going, la, right? Like, like <laughs> angels, like, what does it mean? But I know what it means to love, and I know what it means to be loved, okay? And if we define love something as um, um, looking at the interest of others before my own, like, that's what loving would be. Then I'm like, cool, I get that. Like, I'm going to look to God. Like, I'm going to love him for him, right? Uh, and then so I go, okay, so then what's the mission? That's where spiritual disciplines come in. And it, then that's where the work, you know, and, and this faith is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to works. Like, you got to put in effort. Say that again. But that's not me, by the way. That's not Arthur Code. That's a Dallas Willard Code. Uh, faith right. is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to works. So, it, like, every single one of us believes this. Every single one of us has been lazy at reading our Bible at one point or another. And it, what, what do we tell people? Well, hey, man, put in more effort. Discipline yourself more. Wake up earlier. Whatever. Write it on your wall. Write it on your calendar. Like, do something for you to create the discipline to do that. And we all realize discipline is a hard sort of thing in anything that you do. Whether it's reading your Bible or it's working out or it's going on a date with your spouse or spending time with your kids. Like those things all need to be calendar, discipline, repetition. And then, then you start seeing the value of it. You're like, oh man, like my relationship with my wife is like way better since I started doing this. Or my kids love me a lot more and I feel closer to my kids way more because I spend time with them. It's like, well, duh. Yeah, that's generally what happens when you spend time with people. You get to love them. <laughs> you and, know, I, and I mean that our lack of uh, people's typical lack of discipline is why accountability is actually very important. Like the reason for accountability, the reason for other people is to make sure we stay disciplined. Um, because yeah, but some people own, like just get reliant on that LT, right? Like, like some people just like are, they're in an accountability group on the same issue for their whole life. That's not progress. Mm -hmm. Like I, yeah. I wish that we spoke about this stuff in the categories of, Hey, you're going to be in an accountability group for the next six months. And then that's it. Yeah. I think also, well, I think also maybe, maybe not necessarily always in that case. Like, so what I mean by that is I think the one big problem with accountability groups in the American church is how they actually operate where they're more like pats on the back groups mm, and it's like, okay. oh, I'm sorry to hear that buddy versus like actually like, oh, I'm going to do something if you don't follow through with what you told me you're going to follow through with. Um, like there's, there's a level of actual rebuke and action that needs to take place in, in accountability groups that doesn't take place. Like someone messes up or does something wrong. No one actually does or says anything. They just, they're like, ah, oh, well, that sucks. Yeah. Um, so that, that in of itself is a problem. This is funny because you can see how this stuff was like developed within Catholic circles when it comes to penance. Because it's like the same guy showing up to confession and saying the same exact stuff for like seven years in a row. And then they're like, you know what, man? Like, we got to do something about this. Like, we keep seeing this <laughs> issue. And uh, I'm making light of this a little bit, but, um, and it's like, cool. Hey, I can, oh, you know, I've sinned. I've done this and that. Cool. Go do X, Y, and Z. 70 act of contritions. Correct. And, and, and I'm not for that because then that became like religious, yeah, like that, yeah. but it makes sense. If somebody tells me, Hey, um, I have X issue and I'm like, 
hey, brother, like what you need to do is this. Right. And then they're like, ah, I don't know if I want to do that. And I'm like, okay, then don't tell me you have that issue and you want to work at it. Cause that's yep. just not true. It's yeah. like people, people mm-hmm. don't want to hear that, that they can't eat certain foods when they want to lose weight, you know, or you got to stop eating after a certain time at night and you can't start eating until a certain time in the morning. It's like, yeah, but no. But as I was saying, like the, the human beings understand this very well. Um, and we know what it's like to discipline ourselves. So like with, with my, our leadership group right now, we're reading through Richard Foster's book celebration of the disciplines i recommend that book by the way as well like the disciplines book spiritual disciplines Dallas willard um those are things where i came to a point in my excuse me in my christian walk i came to a point where i was like i can do exegesis really well i do this well i do this well i do this well it's like what are my weaknesses in my christian area like i knowledge wise pretty decent but it was like oh like i need to learn to pray better Like I'm weak people... at that. And so, but like, how do I do that? Like, it can't just be, oh, um, I really want it. Right. So it, it means a couple of things. It's like, oh, I want to become a better free throw shooter. It's like, what do you do? Shoot free throws. Shoot free throws. Hang out with people who are really good free throw shooters. Right. Yeah. Like that's practice. Like, they'll tell, they'll show you technique. So I found someone who, who I really enjoyed the way they prayed because their prayers were like very conversational with the Lord and it wasn't like scripted and, you know, like just very authentic. And I went to him and I was like, Hey, I want you to mentor me because I, I'm really bad at this. And then like, I remember to one of the first, uh, the first lawn, sorry, ah, my Armenian is coming through. Oh, well, uh, the, oh, well. the first time I went to lunch with him, uh, we were sitting down and, and, and he said, Hey, Arthur, would you bless, uh, bless the meal? And I prayed and I said something like, uh, Lord Jesus, uh, would you be with us? Something like that. And then I, after I was done, he said, Art, not to offend you, but do you think Jesus is not here right now? And I was like, no, of course I think Jesus is here with us. He's like, so why didn't you say that? And he, and he was like, why didn't you just say, Lord, thank you for being with us now? And I was like, dude, that's a really good point. Why didn't I say that? Like, I believe it. But why did I like make this proclamation of sorts that wasn't actually the case in regards to what I believe? Like there's a conflict. Um, and, and so this changes your mentality, changes the way you pray, changes the way you speak. So uh, if you guys have this issue, by the way, I've had this issue and I've overcome it to, to a great extent. But the first time I met with him, I said something and I said something like, to be honest, and then I continued my sentence. Um, and then he said to me, hey, do you lie usually? And I was like, this is a strange question. I said, no, I don't usually lie. He said, why, why did you say to be honest? Like, why do you keep saying that? He's definitely done sales before. Huh? Is that a sales training 101? You, yeah, you do not uh, say to be honest. <laughs> well, to a certain extent, I, he's, he's an architect by trade, but, um, he, so he said, so why do you keep saying that? And, and I said, <laughs> to be honest, I think the structure yeah. is going to hold, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> it won't collapse. But then he told me, Hey, see, it's not just the criticism. It's what he replaced it with. So he said, why are you, what you're trying to say, Arthur is to be frank or to be transparent. And I was like, yeah, that is what I'm trying to say. He said, so why don't you say that? 
and but these things have like bled into my my prayer life because I've seen him model it, right? As well as the teaching part, but I've seen him model it, and then my prayer life has changed. Like I can pretty confidently say I pray better now. And what does that even like? Some people are like, "Well, this this guy's talking about praying better. What does that look like?" And that has nothing to do with whether I use big words or small. Like I don't care about that. But I speak to I speak to God the way I speak to you guys. Um, and so it's not rehearsed. I don't say Lord 80 million times. Um, I pause and think and say, um, in like, I'm just talking, um, because, because that's the result that's come out of that modeling of sorts. And, and then you just, you, but you got to work at it. Like that takes years of time. Um, how so does the, this so relate? Sorry, how does this relate to the no, lordship, salvation, sort of stuff? I know how it's related. I'm seeing yeah. it come together. Yeah. Good, good. Um, because I think we're talking about discipleship and we're talking about salvation. We're talking about justification and sanctification. And then we bring that together. And then in the midst of that, we have to be super careful not just to pronounce people aren't saved because some portion of their life or a big portion of their life hasn't been somehow fixed in the same time yours was fixed. Right. Because I know guys that prayed and gave up heroin. Like I know people who were heroin addicts who were like, Lord, take this away from me. And the Lord did. And then I know guys who still slip up cussing and they've prayed a thousand times and God hasn't done that. And it'll be very funny to me uh, where either one of these guys looks at the other one and judges whether they're not Christians. Right. Like it, it, so strange so something that i was noticing uh when you were talking just telling your story right and as we're discussing uh sanctification um i noticed that in my life my sanctification process kind of uh accelerated when i got into a church where people were walking the walk right because i got saved at, at uh you know hillsong and then i was pretty much just on my own floating and and stuff and then i i ended up in a church where people were actually walking the walk, right? And this is when my, so I would say right before then I started really seeking to, to actually know the Lord, right? I believed in him for my salvation for so long. And then, then I, I got to this point where I really just wanted to know, cause I, I was, I was aware that the things that I believed about uh, the nature of God might, might be off because I'm thinking that, you know, in the prosperity gospel, I thought I had the meal ticket. You know what I mean? Mm. Oh, God's going to bless me. So that I was, I had like the rug swept out from under me. My whole business fell apart. The company I was working with got frauded $150 million in China and they stopped paying me. And I had a 650 BMW drop top, drop top convertible that I needed to pay for. And, and I just was like, what the heck am I supposed to do here? So I ended up just like really losing almost everything and i i stumbled into this church and it was full of believers who were trying to walk the walk and that that process made me want to uh love jesus in the way that we're supposed to love him you know and and made me want to walk a christ-like life because i was surrounded by other people who who oh i see i was like what the heck did we just drop um, sorry no 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 i'm but, just I was surrounded by other by other people who wanted to to do that and wanted to 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 move closer to God. And so I say all that to say this. Isn't it interesting how 
you know, here we are talking about lordship, salvation, and sanctification, and justification. God uses people in our sanctification process. So if people were not working on these things and could not give us practical steps in the way that, uh, you know, you you mentioned somebody gave you these practical shifts in, in how to pray and, and just checking you here and there, you know, that is the Holy Spirit working through other people and, and creating this sanctification process, which then in turn puts puts Jesus even even more in the Lord position in our lives, right? So, and it just comes from putting yourself in the right environment in order for that to, to happen. When I was off on my own, it was like I was, I was lost. And the second I got plugged into a church, um, it changed. So I do think that what you said uh, earlier about like, this is just a crazy conversation between Lordship Salvation and, and free grace, because I truly, I voted on my own story. I do believe that there's a bit of both because I, I just think that it follows right and just i think we have to get out of this culture of measuring sticks right like like i got this measuring stick checking checking your works like how how much how much works you got today how much fruit are you showing i see this all the time in the uh you know when i challenge these deliverance ministry guys and i have their little cult followers in my inbox like where's your fruit are you even saved where's your fruit and i'm just like ah, it's in my fridge bro if i leave it out the ants get it so <laughs> Um, it's just hilarious to me that people would actually think they're being rational when they ask you something like that. Yeah, I know. It's like, bro, you don't Is know it? me. Um, <clears throat> I have a right to criticize individuals who teach what I would say is at the very least dangerous stuff, especially as someone who's in, in, in this kind of field. Um, and you're like, where's your fruit? I'm like, just ask like the hundreds of people that know me and have known me for 20 years. Like, what do you want me to do? Bring them in front of you and tell you here, like I have unbelieving friends that will come to you and confess and testify to my change in Christ. And they don't even believe in Jesus. I, yeah. And you're like in the comment section, like repent and believe, you know? <laughs> and uh, it's like, I haven't even told you what I believe on these subjects. <laughs> All right, so we we've been here for a while. Um, I know Arthur has way more energy than all of us because he's on. Uh, yeah, that's Pacific right. It's eight fifteen, bro. We're <laughs> yeah, just man, getting 11, going. We're just starting. It's eleven fifteen. Get the get the get the cafecitos. You know, like <laughs> let, let's keep going. But um, uh, with that being said, uh, I think maybe down the line we'll do some Q and A's. Um, we'll, we'll all get together and do some Q and A's. There was a bunch of questions in the chat and stuff that I would have loved to have gotten to, but, um, you know, we just, we can't do this forever. Um, so anyway, uh, before we close out, um, just any final words on the subjects that we have, have discussed. I know you, you guys now don't want to get the final word because Arthur just ruined it for us, but, you know. <laughs> I was going to say, I was just going to be silent for as long as possible. Let's oh, see. Until... Eight hours later. You know the, the little things on the memes that pop up? Two hours later. The SpongeBob. The most humble yeah, yeah, podcast yeah. episode of all time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say it. I'll go, I'll go first. Um Look, whenever we're going to have theological conversations and reflections, 
we should also be very familiar with the history of theology, like historical theology, the development of theology historically, because it could be the case that we think something is very new in our conversations that someone's addressed. Like the, yeah. the example we gave about like Augustine speaking about the visible church as opposed to the invisible church. And then like you get people walking around nowadays making comments and I'm like, yeah, we've dealt with that. Like just, the question is not whether Christians have dealt with this stuff or not. The question is your ignorance that Christians have dealt with it. And I appreciate that. Maybe you're new to this stuff. That's fine. But the don't Trinity's think you just... not in the Bible. Yeah, like you just discovered this stuff, right? right? Like, did you realize Jesus said this? And it's like, yes, yes, he did. That's okay. <laughs> We've thought about it. Um, and, and so I would say some of these things, especially in the online world, I see this regularly on YouTube. Um, in the People which should just have humility... And there are things that we probably shouldn't speak about because we're just not good at those things, right? Like we're not experts. We're not well read up on it. Um, or we studied it a long time ago and we might be very rusty about it. Like LT will probably is probably a lot more up to date when it comes to cults and different religions and stuff than I am. Yeah. Uh, and so like if a conversation comes up, it's going to be like, look, let me let this dude kind of, he mentioned some weird cult that I don't think I've ever even heard of earlier. And well, so Heaven's I, Gate? I, yeah, like, I don't know who those guys are. And um, <laughs> It will not like, be at Heaven's Gate. Uh, <laughs> oh, <ta-ching>. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, I, I got to answer Joshua's question because he said, he said, where would one start at early theology? Um, I would say... Um, Pick up a systematic theology book if you want to do that, or pick up a historical theology book and then see the development of theology. And um, I have a number of recommendations on theology books in on my channel in my description box. Uh, it's a shared document on Google. It's a bunch of books with links you can go and check out, and I've categorized them various ways. Uh, that will help you definitely. But um, again, if we're speaking about these things, let's let's have humility, love. Let's be gracious as the Lord is gracious to our Christian brothers and sisters who disagree with us or we might disagree with. Um, And so, yeah. Definitely. And Joshua, you can find Arthur at uh, Apologia Center. And also, um, if you just, uh, if you go to the whyjesusnetwork.com, we have a a section called Team, and you can find everybody who's in the Why Jesus Network, except Matt. I got to put Matt in there um you can find everybody's youtube channels uh right there and we're also going to be revamping the uh the aesthetics of that website as well so but subscribe to the mailing list to, to stay updated on everything so with uh with that being said dylan do you have anything anything you want to chime in on before we close this bad boy out oh man you know, I could pontificate for the next hour if you like, but uh, no, I think I think for the most part, we I, I don't I don't think I have too much to say uh, besides just continually to uh, you know follow Christ. Like I don't know, I don't really have anything to say. I don't think I have anything to add at this point. I'm also probably too tired to to think of anything wise and really deep. I, I don't want to hear that because you're the one that wanted to do this at nine o'clock. All right, <laughs> so this is uh, this is all on you. But with that being said, guys, thank you so much for your time. Arthur, thank you for hosting this call last minute. Truly appreciate you. Um, Thank you for your wisdom. Same thing with you, LT. Shout out to 
Daryl, who had to hop off. You know, thank you so much for being on here. Guys, we're going to be doing this at least once a week. So make sure that you are paying attention to the Why Jesus Network and you are paying attention to everybody who is connected to the Why Jesus Network because we're going to be doing these live streams at least once a week. It's going to be a, a, a different group of people uh, with from within the Why Jesus Network every single time. And, um, you know, you'll probably see some of the same faces over and over. But then we'll also be doing some Q&As and we'll, we'll be expanding this a lot. So um, if you've been listening on the, you know, Apple, Spotify or anything like that, make sure that you share this and make sure that you follow everybody on YouTube. And that being said, God bless, guys. We will see you on the next Why Jesus podcast. And, uh, yeah. Take care. Thank you guys. It's been it's been a pleasure. Had to get the last word, didn't you? Oh, I don't mean to. I just want to say thank you to you guys. <laughs>